welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 159 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltaka. Thanks for joining me again today on the show. Uh, We've got a lot of things to talk about. We'll start off with unveiling our brand new contest, which is the CCFR's best day ever. So I can't wait to tell you the details of that. So that's coming up right away. That's coming up first. Then we've also had some new firearm prohibitions trickling in from the RCMP as usual. Um, And these were uh, firearm prohibitions that are in effect from Bill C-21 and the May 2020 OIC. Interesting how that happens, right? Polysensitive, yeah, it goes crazy again. So we'll have a look at some of their uh, ridiculous behavior. Uh, they get on Twitter and, you know, you know how it goes there. And there's been some home invasions and a couple were caught on video in the GTA. And yet there's some people out there and, and they're armed home invasions, at least one of them that we have video of. And there's people out there saying, Sit down and take it. Don't defend yourself. Kind of interesting. Anyway, all that and more in this episode. But first, a word from our sponsors. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR radio podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR podcast and the CCFR. Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. Need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR. With a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter, they have what you need. Plus, free shipping over $250, which includes ammo, or flat rate shipping of $17 under $250. Some conditions apply. Subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get first access to the hottest deals. CTOMS has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through CTOMS online courses. Go to ctomsacademy.com and use promo code CCFR30 to get 30% off. That's ctomsacademy.com. All right, we are back. So uh, the very first order of business is to unveil the brand new contest. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, it's called the CCFR's best day ever. So rather than to, you know, tell you all the details and bore you, we have the video that we did that has gone up on social media and whatever the video commercial. I'm just going to play that. You can check it out and we'll talk about it in a second. What would the CCFR's best day ever be? Just a guess, but we can imagine you'd fly all expenses paid from anywhere in Canada to meet up with Rod and Tracy in Calgary, Alberta. You'd check into a hotel for a great night's rest only to show up at the Calgary Shooting Center and drop $5,000 in a shopping spree. Then you'd shoot some guns in their indoor range, you'd enjoy a nice lunch, and then head over to the shooting edge, spend another $5,000 and shoot more guns. And then you debrief over dinner with the CCFR crew, zip back to the hotel for a great night's sleep, and fly home the next morning and have your $10,000 worth of winnings shipped directly to your home. If that's what the best day ever sounds like to you, you're in luck. The CCFR's Best Day Ever contest opens February the 1st and closes on March the 10th, 2024. That's only about five weeks to get entered into one of the coolest contests the CCFR has ever held. Two runner-up prizes will be awarded as well. A huge firearm rights or human rights neon sign worth around $1,800 and an equally awesome, these guns are not for sale sign. Here's what you do. Donate $25 to the CCFR using this link at ccfr.ca and receive one free entry into the contest. Donate $100 and get five free entries into the contest. Read all the contest rules at ccfr.ca before entering. Again, time is running out. Contest ends March 10th, 2024. So go to ccfr.ca right now, help the CCFR and get a chance to win the best day ever. That's ccfr.ca and if you win, Wilson and I will see you there. 
All right, that's pretty exciting, right? The CCFR's best day ever. Now, I just want to fill you in on a couple of details, um, and then we'll get Tracy on. So, number one, um, pay attention to the timeline. February 1st to midnight on March the 10th, midnight um, Eastern time. Okay, it's it's like five weeks. So if you if you want to help the CCFR, you want to donate, you want to get free entries into the contest, just do it right away. Because if you forget about it for a few weeks, it's over. And that's because we don't want to have contests running like for a year. And you're like, didn't I enter that like eight months ago? And I don't know. It's far more exciting if you do it all at once and you get to award the prize when people are still thinking about it, right? Because you get excited when you enter, you know, you want to know whether or not you won. So anyway, ends March 10th at midnight Eastern time. So there'll be a podcast. I think that next following week we'll announce the winner then. And uh, I will, I usually call, well, I think every time I've called every winner in every contest that we've done myself on the phone. So hopefully we'll get a hold of the grand prize winner and even the the neon sign winners and uh, get their consent. And then, you know, I'll play the call for you on the, uh, on the podcast. I love doing that. I mean, what's better than calling someone and giving them like $10,000, right? Uh, the other thing is the contest itself was designed to be done start to finish over a weekend. So if you win it, you don't have to take any time off work. So Friday night, you'd fly. And I mean, if you want to go early, to, a week early to Calgary and hang out, you know, at your own expense, you're welcome to do that, right? But Friday night, you fly, you get two nights hotel, fly anywhere from anywhere in Canada to Calgary. All the festivities are on Saturday and you're flying home on Sunday. So you can get this done without taking any time off work, hopefully. Um, make sure that you read all the contest rules before entering. There's a lot of information in there, and that's important. One of the pieces in there is for uh, Tracy and uh, me to come out and shoot rounds with you at, at these gun stores, two of the best gun stores in, in Canada, much less in Alberta, and hang out with you during your shopping spree and all that stuff. For us to do that, we have to coordinate the weekend together. And so there's no guarantee that all three of us, you and Tracy and me, can all coordinate that. So... You know, if one of us have to drop out because we have other commitments, then that's the way it is. Just so you know, know that before you're entering. It's in the rules there. And I think finally, the last thing is uh, residents of Quebec are excluded. You cannot enter the contest. And before you start hammering the keyboard in the comments about how we're discriminating against Quebec, it's your government, right? And if, you li if you've lived in Quebec for any length of time or your whole life, you know that it's not just us, it's everyone excludes Quebec. Uh, when it comes to these um, contests and and giveaways and stuff like that. And that's because the Quebec government has all these requirements. And uh, basically, they're like, okay, what's the total value, the flights, everything? You do that, you calculate um, a, a fee, a tax based on how much you're giving away. You pay that to the, you pay that to the Quebec government. <laughs> you pay that to them in advance with your application. And then they decide whether you can run that contest in, in the province. And it's like, you know what? Forget it. And that's why basically everyone excludes residents of Quebec. So it's not us. It's your government. If you're looking for a, a cause in Quebec, right, a political cause, that's a really good one. Get them out of, you know, people's lives. And then all these things will be open to you as they are open to the residents of the rest of Canada. So anyway, I'm sorry about that. But you know what? I don't know that you don't have um, a summer cottage, a summer property across the border in Ontario up in cottage country or whatever, right? I mean, some people have that kind of stuff. You could always enter for the in in those areas if you uh, if you live reside in those areas too. But anyway, that's your business, not my business. <clears throat> okay, the only other thing I want to mention before we bring Tracy on is if you have wanted to volunteer for the CCFR, you've sent an email to volunteer at firearmrights.ca. You never received a response, or you received a response and you kind of got halfway through the process and then somehow it just got dropped or whatever. I, I've heard complaints out there and basically the field officer program is having, we're having trouble with it. It's run by volunteers and volunteers have their own things to do, right? So it, and to run that program is a lot of responsibility for anybody, even a full-time person. So to run it with um, volunteers is, is really difficult, right? It's a lot of work um, and it's hard to spread that work across other people. So anyway, all that to say, it was going really well all the way through the, the CCFR's history right up until COVID. And I think it fell off the rails and just hasn't quite got back to where it was. So what I want to tell you is we are rebuilding the entire field officer program and it is going to be a well-oiled machine when it's done. It's going to take a couple of months, probably two to three months, just so you know. 
So if you've tried to volunteer for the CCFR, my apologies that it didn't, you know, that we weren't able to, to get that going, but we're fixing it now. And if I will, in a future podcast, when it's all done, I will lay the whole program out for you. It's going to be exciting. I'm quite excited about it. We haven't, we're not in a position right now where we have to fight legislation. There's not a lot of stuff going on with guns. So during those times, you know, people like me and Tracy and 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 staffer Steve and others at the CCFR have that opportunity because like a break, right? We can turn inwards and start fixing things at the CCFR that we could never do when we're fighting legislation or we have elections or we have liberal scandals where they're like, oh, let's roll out some gun control. There was a shooting in the States. Let's make this, let's get this in the news cycle again. Like we have to be available for those things. And of course, doing projects and every everything. So now I have a little bit of time. I'm rebuilding the FO program as well as developing a couple of projects that we've been kind of hinting at uh, as well. So in the next a few, um, a few uh, podcasts from now, I will give you all the details. So hang in there if you wanted to volunteer and you weren't able to kind of get in or get, get through the process. My apologies, hang in there. I'm gonna be making a call for volunteers and things are gonna be entirely, it'd be an entirely different experience than you had before, okay? So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And that includes rebuilding the existing field officer program, not just the outward facing aspects of it. So there you go, I got everything done. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, quick edit. I came into the office to, uh, to edit and render and submit the, uh, this episode of the podcast and the TV show today. And yesterday I recorded my stuff and um, Tracy and myself, uh, whatever, two days ago. Well, yesterday and today, what's going on in the news is this StatCan report on violent, on firearm-related violent crime that's come out. I just wanted to comment on it really quick, as quickly as I can, I guess, right, in this format. So the big story here is that from 21 to tw from 2021 to 2022, because we now have the data for 2022, um, we've experienced the highest rate of firearm-related violent crime since this kind of data has been recorded, which apparently is 2009. I don't know the exact data that they're talking about, but it's obviously something they weren't keeping track of before, certain aspects, and they've come to this conclusion since 2009. And this is, and, and I'll tell you why this is interesting. It's interesting because after Bill C-71, after the uh, banning, the May, uh, the May 2020 OIC, banning of 1,550 models of firearms, the additional banning of another somewhere around 800 models of firearms by the RCMP, including, which is ongoing, including just a couple of weeks ago. Wilson and I are going to talk about it when, um, when I bring her on. And then the handgun freeze, which is a handgun ban, right? These gas lighters, it's just a freeze, you know, it'll thaw someday. It's like, no, it's not going to thaw. It's going to, it's confiscation for free. You're just going to take my stuff and not pay for it. And you're going to take it by force. It's a ban. So, and then Bill C-21, right? All that over the last eight years, in addition to all of the most obscene, outrageous rhetoric from the most irresponsible, narcissistic, psychopathic government we've ever seen in the history of this country. And that is, and let me tell you who that is, it's the liberals, it is the NDP under Jagmeet Singh, and it is the Bloc Québécois, because all three parties have been in lockstep on this gun control thing. All three parties have been lockstep on the rhetoric, like people like me that have registered AR-15s locked up in safes, um, taking them to and from an approved shooting range to fire my few rounds, locking them all up and bringing them back and locking them up again. And all that is full, it's been a full assault on people like me exclusively. They've done nothing to criminals. They've done nothing to them. So, and other than let them out on bail so that they can reoffend and shoot other people. There was literally cop killers, people that had illegal guns that killed police officers and then got out on bail so that they can walk around and commit more crimes during the three or four or five years it's going to take to bring them to trial. This is the chaos and the violence and the division that the, that that the, that the liberals, the NDP, and the Bloc Québécois have unleashed on Canada. Like this is, this is literally what's going on. And you know, it's interesting because, you know, they call this a big success. This is the biggest leap forward in gun control in a generation. Like they're proud of it. 
If this is what liberal NDP and Bloc Québécois success in public safety looks like, I'd hate to see what a failure would look like. But I think, to be honest with you, I think this is a success for them. I think they see this as a, as a success. And I will tell you this, I'm just a regular person that got involved in politics, whatever, eight years ago. And I will tell you, being a normal person circulating around in this tank of urchins, that when people get involved in politics, they, they become, the longer they do it and the more, they're, the deeper they're involved in it, the bigger role that it plays in their lives, meaning that their personal lives are garbage and their entire life revolves around politics. These people get very disconnected and, 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 and this kind of work in politics or whatever, it attracts narcissists, it attracts sociopaths and psychopaths. Not that there's a big distinction between the two, right? But you know, you've, you, I'm sure you follow my meaning. It attracts bad people and they get in there. So they're, they're narcissistic to begin with. They have some kind of probably latent um, sadistic tendencies and then they get disconnected from reality. So they get all this attention they would never normally get. They're making a lot of money they don't normally, wouldn't normally deserve, not that they deserve it now, but they get disconnected from reality. And I think this is what success looks like to them because every time these screaming infants in urban centers in downtown Toronto or downtown Vancouver or in Edmonton, wherever they are, saying like, look at this gun violence, you just got to do something. And the government picks them up and they say, it's okay, buddy. Pats them on the head. I'm going to do something, all right? I'm going to assign myself more power. I'm going to build my bureaucracy bigger. I'm going to plunge the country even further into debt by the billions of dollars that has to be paid back at interest, which that debt, those interest payments will be saddled upon your children. And I'm going to, and, and, and I'm just going to tell you the whole time that it's going to make you more safe while at the same time. So this is where it gets interesting. What's the media going to do? Are the media going to say, my goodness, liberals, NDP and Bloc, you've spent billions of dollars. You've engaged in just this ridiculous spewing of outrageous rhetoric, just obscene rhetoric about law-abiding gun owners, not the criminals. You've been very nice to them. It's just the people that have firearms licenses. Yet, after almost a decade, violent crime involving firearms has gone up. Will they hold them to account? Who knows? You know, will, will people in downtown, the people that are like, well, the Trudeau, you know, he's got great hair, and you know what? None of this stuff that's happened to him is, is his fault. And even the things that are his fault, we can all learn by them. Like these soft-boiled people, will they wake up? Will they say, I have a chance of catching a stray bullet when I go to the Eaton Center in downtown Toronto? Why? Because I've been supporting this ridiculousness for almost a decade. I don't know. Will they wake up? Who knows? But I don't know what it's going to take. So, you know... And, and if I sound a little triggered, yeah, I'm, I'm triggered about this report. It's it Firearm-related violence went up 8.5%, I think, something like that. You know, it's not like it doubled, but it's continuing to climb. It's been continuing to climb since 2015. Just wild, man. I don't know. It was worth talking about a little bit. I'm sure, um, I'm sure Wilson will want to talk about it in the next episode, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention. So you can find this online. I'm not going to put a link or nothing, but you can find this report online. Um... Uh, TGM, the gun muppet on Twitter, he's talking about a lot. I think uh, Ian Runkle's talking about it. Tracy's talking about it. Our social media guys, um, Brandon and, and Silas, they're talking about it too. So watch our social media feeds and I'm sure there'll be lots of links and, and whatever. But I am very curious whether whether the, the mainstream media are going to hold these people to account for once. And if they don't, then you know exactly, you know, it's just another confirmation that you can't trust the mainstream media to draw attention to the things that are most important to Canadians. If you're worried about public safety, this should be like an alarm clock going off on either side of your ears while you're sleeping in the middle of the night. That should be, as the as the narcissistic doctors say, as the crazy anti-gun groups, these, these lunatics say, you know, the evidence, look at the evidence. The evidence is clear. It's overwhelming. It's incontrovertible. Yeah, it is. Have a look at it. It's in front of your face. And it ain't some obscure U.S. study or a study someplace in Siberia. This is this is Canada, folks. This is where you live. All right, let's uh, let's get Wilson on the Skype. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR uh, on the line. Wilson, that was nice. I was a little rock and roll. I liked it. Uh, 
Thanks, man. A lot of practice, I guess. <laughs> you just sit around in the mirror. Yeah. Just screaming well said. Screaming that. People are like, uh, what's, oh, he's doing that again. All right. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get Don't. moving. We have some uh, we have some kind of a little bit more fun stuff. Uh, it's critical fun, but uh, fun nonetheless. Okay, first thing we're talking about is a uh, a tweet that was sent out by Tim Thurley. So in case you're uh, don't know who Tim Thurley is, he's an academic that is uh, up in Northwest Territories. He's a researcher and who apparently got interested in the gun file because you know it, it is an interesting file because it seems so controversial when you have one set of facts that exist, either something's true or it's not, right? So, but somehow yeah. it's controversial. So he got into it and uh, he's been recently um, uh, providing his opinion for the benefit of um, government committees and the public at large. And he had an interesting tweet that he sent out. Um, do you have it with you? I do actually, I've got it right here. So this was Tim quote tweeting the CSAAA who had pointed out that armalytics.ca has indicated that there have been a number of uh, firearms newly added to that prohibited list from the May 2020 OIC. So he comes up with a really good point here. He says, it's questionable how the government could actualize a fixed period confiscation program if variants of the 2020 OIC's prohibited firearms are still being discovered by the CFP nearly four years later. The program and the amnesty would need to run indefinitely. And he's right. So what that means is, you know, let's say, uh, you know, look down the road five or 10 years. Uh, unfortunately, if we were still under liberal reign and they've completed the confiscation program, they've rounded up all our guns, taken them off to the smelter. And the amnesty, of course, would have long run out. And it's a done deal. Well, they keep finding firearms that they're able to stick under these, you know, under the um the uh, measurements of the of the 2020 OIC, ban them, not tell anybody, not announce it anywhere. So what would happen to something that they add nine or 10 years from now under that same OIC? Without so an amnesty. He's, yeah. It'd be yeah, full, the amnesty fully, would literally, yeah. he's right. It would have to run in per perpetuity or you'd end up getting caught with something that was added ten, nine or 10 years from now. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. I mean, it's and it's if you look at the most recent prohibition by the firearms lab is a hundred and something year old rifle. I think it's called the 84. I would imagine 1884, but 84 Pennsylvania rifle. And mm -hmm. it, it it's a muzzle loader. Yeah. And it's not on, on, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that some uh, 90 year old guy up in northern Manitoba would have that, you know, sitting over his fireplace and you know, has a house fire or whatever, the police respond. They're like, oh, look at this gun. Let's look it up. Oh, my God, it's a prohibit. Basically, it's a machine gun, right, in the <laughs> eyes of the law. And now yeah. this guy's facing charges. He gets arrested. He has to get a lawyer and go through the process probably for six months before they get to the point where the crown in that province goes, it's not within the public's interest to prosecute, uh, you know, um, Mr. Schmelter, as you call the Schmelter, but uh, <laughs> Schmelter, <laughs> but you know we're not, we're we're gonna let him go because this is ridiculous. But it's just you know it's it's just amazing to me how that's lost on anti-gunners and the bureaucracies and the RCMP firearms lab and the liberals and the NDP and the Bloc and the Greens for their part in it. It's just none of this stuff seems to make any sense to them. And they can't seem to. They don't it's, care. It's weird. They can't square that circle. They can't say, "Well, it's all about public." They say, "Oh, it's all about public safety." And it's like, "Well, real, is it?" Let me paint the scenario for you. Look what just happened. And there's like silence, right? It's just crickets. It's just very interesting to me. Oh yeah. Like, are do we all feel safer? You know, of the shootings in downtown Toronto stopped. I mean, it's just. I, it's so ridiculous and stupid and poorly thought out and poorly executed. And yeah, it's just going to be one big mess. Yes, it Better is. Better turn um, it around. So anyway, um, okay. So we'll switch gears over to some a little bit of fun stuff. Just looking at the buffoonery of the people <laughs> over at Polysensibien, you know. And um, so they, it's funny because we'll leave them alone, in hopes they'll just you know start acting like responsible folks, and then they have to start it up again. So they'll. Tweet something provocative just to keep it going. It's funny. And then, of course, it, it, if anything comes back at them, then they claim to be being victimized all, all over again by these terrible gun owners. This is, this is their whole shtick. Mm -hmm. It's been going on for as long as I've been involved in this stuff. It's, 
It's just horrible. And of course, you know, the liberals will come to their rescue and the mainstream media and the rest of this stuff. It's quite, quite unjust, actually. But anyway, they've decided to try to spark it up again by tweeting about the amendments that were withdrawn eight months ago and calling us yeah. liars over it. Yeah, they actually said legitimately, they said the CCFR exploited the complexity of the file by lying to gun owners. They put it in capitals. Um, and they're talking about how G46 would have banned uh, a variety of hunting rifles, which the liberals fully admit to. They fully admitted, okay, <laughs> you were right. There's going to be a bunch of hunting rifles that would be banned under G4 and G46. And they withdrew those amendments. All the hunting groups agreed with it. The First Nations agreed with it. And even the liberals agreed. You're right. It's a hunting gun ban. Let's withdraw it. Paulie's still losing their mind over it and debating on social media. They made some thread. They used some of their own homemade documents. Like it's somebody very wise once told me when you are referring to the law, always quote the actual law. Right. You can't. You can't just make something up yourself. Well, they do the exact opposite. They make their own little documents. They post them up as if they're some sort of legitimate evidence. Meanwhile, you've got technical experts. You've got TGM, the gun muppet on Twitter, who's actually a cop. He's a law enforcement. And then you've got Ian Runkle, who's a firearms lawyer, very experienced and specialized in firearms law. who are all like, well, no, actually, Polly, you're wrong on this. Of course, those guns would have been banned. It legitimately said that right in the in the legislation, and those were later withdrawn for that reason. And they're like, nope, the CCFR is lying. They're just trying to drum up animosity between hunters and get them on their side. And it's just, it's literally ridiculousness because every single expert, including even the liberals, have said that, yes, the, there would have been hunting rifles banned in G4 and G46. Therefore, they withdrew them. And said they'd look at it later. So yeah, Justin Trudeau himself said it. Yes, he literally said no. it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, liars. Yeah. Such a, wow. Just, yeah. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and you know what else is interesting with that is if you look at their their ridiculous Twitter feed, the majority of people that that follow them are gun owners just looking for their buffoonery and to expose them. So if every gun owner unfollowed them, they, their, 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 their number would be half. And then, and, and here's how you know, because if you look at the traction that they get for tweets, like I don't, I have a very small Twitter account, but then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet something that's kind of, you know, funny or insightful or whatever. And, you know, like I'll get a hundred or 200 likes or whatever. Right. Which is, you know, which is not much in the grand scheme of things, but them with the mainstream media fully behind them, the government the opposition parties, other than the, the conservatives, uh, doctors groups, victims groups, all all these people behind this, like they'll get like, I don't know, 10 likes or 20 likes and stuff. Yeah, 13, yeah. 11, yeah. 8. I looked earlier just to see. Yeah. Yeah, they get no traction. But they're getting totally ratioed yeah. in every single comment section, right? They're like, they're liars. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's strange behavior. Yeah. And well, speaking of, of Polly, if you remember... In the last episode, we showed a city TV news segment and it had um, uh, Heidi Rathjen being interviewed about Bill C-21. And we'll get into a couple of other intricacies of, of the stuff that she said there. I, I found some other little great little Easter eggs there to share with you. Um, but she was getting interviewed and there's, there, she's talking about the effect um, of Bill C-21 and, um, and the firearms, the assault weapons. She, that's exactly what she said, these assault weapons that they're banning. And while she's talking about that, City TV runs a 30-round mag dump in a full-auto AR-15 right. while an M16 or M4, right? Full-auto, 30-round mag dump while they're talking about the guns that were banned in Bill C-21. So mm -hmm. I don't know what a lie looks like, but that's pretty close. But anyway, yeah. Um, as I was looking through that video, it was funny. There was two other interesting things. I just wanted to share them with you. So you can call these Clip of the Week if you want your or your Clips of the Week. This first one is interesting, is that uh, while she's being interviewed about Bill C-21, she, she says basically that Bill C-21 does not affect licensed gun owners or gun owners at all. It's basically aimed at criminals, that, that there's no effect. Anyway, rather than me try to paraphrase it, here's the clip. Check it out. 
The federal conservatives and some gun owners strongly oppose the new law, arguing that it unfairly punishes responsible gun users instead of targeting criminal gun violence. My question is how? I mean, like what the bill does is it says that if you're involved in domestic violence, if you're an abuser, then you shouldn't be able to own a gun. I don't see that's how it's attacking uh, legal gun owners, same way that a drunk driver shouldn't be allowed to drive. I mean, that's not attacking all, all drivers. So you see what she did there is they're actually talking about the changes to the red flag measures, which actually further complicates the seizure of firearms from domestic abusers. Um, But she's saying, well, you know, how? How How does this affect licensed gun owners? It only affects them. No, every single measure in C-21, aside from those complicated changes to the red flags and the Um, increase in the maximum penalty for smuggling, which nobody ever got before, so they're certainly not going to get it after. Every single other measure within C-21 directly impacts gun owners and impacts them generationally. So when you, like with C-21, when you and I die, you know, they're going to have our funeral, our grieving, your grieving widow, my sad children, they're going to get a visit from the police who are going to come knocking at the door to come here And to seize those things that I've owned for decades that mean a lot to me, that I've owned faithfully and without issue, and they're going to take them and they're going to destroy them. So this is probably one of the more monumental, awful things that have happened to gun owners in a long time. And she's like, well, how does this impact gun owners? Yeah, as if she's like, will someone please tell me? I mean, she looks at this stuff every day. Anyway, very disingenuous group of people. Oh, yeah. Really terrible. Um, And then, you know, another clip is the... Well, not well. I'll show you a clip that kind of um, is is uh, demonstrative of of their position on when will they ever stop, right? Because so mm-hmm. they they put they put a posted a bunch of tweets before about how they were how dismayed they were that gun owners keep saying like, oh, you know, uh, you know, they want all guns, they'll never stop, nothing's ever enough, they're going to keep going until there's nothing left, and they're like, oh, that's ridiculous. We never asked for this gun to be banned or that gun to be banned. We never. Oh no, and it's like, well, they keep. They keep trying to talk around that um, that statement that they made, um, and uh, it was the House Committee for Bill C sixty eight. Actually, mm-hmm. don't you have a quote about that? Handy? She yeah. Well, there was something uh, that Tim had quoted in his story about them, where Heidi was testifying in House Committee under C sixty eight, and said that if the bill passed without major amendment, that their fight here would be done, that they would be done fighting, and they would be happy with that. And that's exactly what happened. And here we are, how many years later, and they're still screaming from the rafters for more gun bans. Yeah, they're still, and they're still doing it anyway. Here's a clip. Check it out. It contains a freeze on uh, the sale of new handguns. So basically, um, it's a it's a phase out of the private possession of handguns over the next three or four generations. From our perspective, a definition that makes zero difference. It's uh, it's very weak, it's easily circumventable, uh, and basically nothing's gonna change um, in reality. Uh, there's still hundreds of models of assault weapons that are legal, and new models continue to come on the market, and that won't change with this definition. So um, it, that's why we say it's incomplete. The federal. Oh, yeah. It'll never be enough. It'll never be over for these people, no matter what guns are left or what guns get banned. It's just never enough. And it's just weird how they it's strange because for us, we're very we're very transparent. We're very overt in our motivations. We want public safety and we want people to have legal access to firearms, but with some framework to make sure that firearms don't fall into the wrong hands. Like we're there's no there's nothing ever going on behind the scenes as far as what our motivations are or what we're, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it's like, everything is, is a big mystery is a big contradiction with these people. There's like, Oh, that's not what I want. And then they turn around. They're like, this is never enough. You know, <laughs> I mean, you just, you look at their own words and they're like, yeah, well, you don't understand the context. Like what context you got bill C 71, you got a massive sweeping gun ban. You got a uh, handgun prohibition. You got bill C 21. You have multiple other prohibitions through variant status. It's just completely unending. And you just the other day now, we just saw you. You're like, oh, yeah, this is nowhere near enough. It's like, man, you guys. Yeah, their appetite for punishing legal gun owners is insatiable. Yeah. And I, I can't help but wonder if they had that same 
level of commitment for combating actual crime and violence and gun smuggling, like how much further we'd be ahead as a country for public safety. But, yeah, a long way. And then, of yeah. course, because uh, Tim Thurley is just honest and doesn't agree with them, what they do is they just attack. Oh, yeah. So I think you have a tweet there. You know, the minute that oh. Tim Thurley sticks his head up to say, hey, you know, here's what I found. Boom. Straight on the attack, trying to destroy his reputation, trying to destroy his life, basically. Calling yeah, down all so, the forces of darkness to go and out. See this Tim guy? He needs to be destroyed. So he, Tim Thurley, wrote an article, and it was sort of talking about what you and I are talking about right now. And he said, you know, the radicalism of the anti-gun lobby. You know, at the beginning, they started out, they wanted some stuff. They wanted a licensing framework and some, you know, some measures to do exactly what you said. Keep Make sure guns don't fall into the wrong hands. And here we are 32 year, years later, you know, multiple pieces of legislation and just tons and tons of more measures placed on gun owners, ban after ban after ban. And their message just gets more radical as we go. And I mean, we literally are just showing you, right? So he wrote an article about it and they lost their mind. And they said about him, this disingenuous and manipulative blog should be the final nail in the coffin for the credibility of this hashtag gun lobby endorsed so-called expert among shoddy and unprofessional tactics aimed at exposing our radical anti-gun agenda. He quotes our spokesperson testifying in 1995 that if C-68 passes, we would no longer fight for more federal legislation. Yep. <laughs> like that, that's what he's trying to point out to you is that you said it back then in 1995, you said, give us this and our fight here is done. Our work here is done and we're happy with the situation. It is 2024 and you just showed a clip of Heidi Ratchin after all these more gun bans and more measures against gun owners saying, well, it's not enough more. You know, it's like the monster that you just can never you can never satisfy. Right. So, well, this is the thing. Right. And if, and again, their, their response, like Tim Thurley says, here's what you said. And they're like. <laughs> You have no credibility. You're controlled by the gun lobby. You're a bad person and a terrible researcher. You, so you should lose your life, basically. You lose everything, yeah, have, all your credibility, your career. You should lose all that because, yeah. you know, because you disagreed with us. So you must be like, run by the CCFR. Like they're the the moral authority on credibility anyways. Give me a break, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a mess. But, you know, that's, it's funny because that's – and not to go too on and on about it, but that's such a – it's such a, a common theme in the way that the other side fights their battle. It's all about just we're going to destroy everybody. We're going to demoralize them. We're going we're gonna to make them, make them sorry that they ever did this, that, or the other thing, that they ever stuck their head up. And, I mean, I'm, I'm reminded we, – we, we didn't plan to talk about this, but I'm going show to the, show the video in case people haven't seen it because it was a while ago. Dr. Greg Mostosi um, is uh, is a doctor, emergency room doctor in Montreal that attended to uh, the women that, well, the people, because there's a couple of a couple of men too, I think, shot, injured at least, um, that uh, attended to the people that were shot at uh, the shooting on December 6, 1989, at a cold polytechnic. He was there, but he doesn't agree with the way that the policy rolls out. Either does the coroner, by the way, that that examined all of the victims and created a report of that same shooting, by the way. But anyway, there was a, a, a meeting of the, um, the health board, Board of Health of Toronto, and they wanted to implement some uh, bylaws. And he didn't agree with them and wanted to provide his input. So he signed up to, to testify for the board. But then I guess the doctors for protection from guns, uh, you know, Najma Ahmed decided that her and whoever, other anti-gun folks around that area. And I can only imagine this is what it was because I don't know, I'm not part of those conversations, but it sure looks that way. They all played, um, uh, all plotted to try to humiliate Dr. Mazdosi just for showing up and, and providing his testimony and to make sure that they damaged his credibility, damaged him as a person so that he would never ever think about speaking up again. Anyway, check this video out in case you guys haven't seen it. Check out the snickering doctor in the corner. Watch this. For having me, um, I'm an emergency physician that works in London, Ontario at the Children's Hospital of uh, Western Ontario. I'm also an associate professor at Western University. I'm also a member of a founding member of a group that we started this year called the Doctors for Firearms Safety and Responsibility. 
Uh, just a little bit about my background. Um, I was present personally at the Montreal Polytechnic shooting uh, in 1989, where 14 women lost their lives. It affects me still. You, you have a list of individuals on your website. Who are they? Uh, so we have trauma surgeons, we have ICU oh, But docs. who are they, the ones that are listed on your website? Are what they your members? Names? No, I'm just wondering who they are. Are they your board of directors? We, we don't have a formal organization, no. So they're, it's they're, loose. That's they're, what loose means. So the nine people are your, your organization, correct? Yes, those, those are the, nine individuals. Those that, are the core individuals. We so have your other individuals that we or? keep in touch with and who are on the social media thread who are physicians, nurses, uh, paramedics, and other healthcare so professionals. Who, who runs the website? Uh, we One have a website coordinator. We have a guy who's good in IT that runs the website. Because all of the information about who, who owns the, the URL has been redacted. So I'm just I wondering no, who I'm sorry, who you're asking the wrong person. I'm not an IT person, and I'm not well-versed well in so, those So maybe you can tell me. So the, the leadership of the organization, how is it run? There is no leadership. We just keep in touch, and uh, we share information. So you have nine individuals. Excuse me, can I answer the question? Well, I'm uh, we, have, we have individuals who have various strengths. One, uh, a couple of the individuals have presented at Senate committees and are aware of the literature and are gathering literature and share that literature with us so that we can be science and evidence-based. So there's nine, mem nine core members of the organization, and then you have someone that does your website. Yes. Is that one of those nine members, or is it a volunteer, or is it a paid person? Do you it's, have staff? It's a volunteer person who's good in IT. Is it one of those nine members? No. No, you, no it's okay. an IT person. It's, it's all a bit of a mystery, but there's nine people involved. What is the relationship between your organization and the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association and in, and in general with the gun lobby? We have no affiliations. We're literally a loose group of physicians. Let me put it into perspective. As healthcare workers, if we speak up in support of firearms, um, uh, in the peaceful use of firearms, the sporting use of firearms, then in fact we are vilified. One of the members that Mr. Layton has referred to was actually threatened with, uh, with job action because she simply spoke up in support of her, uh, her sport, which is... Uh, that wasn't my shooting. question. I just want to know what was your relationship, what was the relationship between your organization, the Doctors for Firearms Safety and Responsibility, and the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association? What's the relationship between these two organizations and the organize your organization and the gun lobby in general? We, we don't have, we do not have any connections to the gun lobby. Thank you. We don't have any connections to the business uh, organization that you just spoke of. In fact, I know very little about them. Okay. It's, it's all a bit of a mystery. Of course, you can't forget you've got the lesser son of Jack Layton, Mike Layton, there as a Toronto City Councillor. I don't know what he what he would be good at at all in society. But anyway, just again, this sneering, ridiculous, lesser man sitting there and criticizing and, and focusing like, well, who runs your website? I mean, it was it was such a mockery of responsible, you know, behavior by adults that it just, it was, it was, it's even hard to watch, but anyway, yeah, pretty wild. All right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And it's not the first person that was treated that way by them. That definitely didn't deserve it. I know there are mothers who um, are survivors and they've lost children to gun violence and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that they either uh, shun or discredit, like just treat them horribly. And it's, you know, it's wild because you say anything about it and they hide behind the wall of, you know, being victims of a mass shooting 32 years ago. And, you know, so you, you can't say anything about it. And it's just it's just a really, really dark way to try and deal with um, issues that that matter to all Canadians. Right. Yeah. Not good people. Not good no. people at all. Mm -hmm. So anyways, 
Um, all right, next thing. Uh, there's a couple of videos floating around about the rising crime that we see in Canada. And yeah. the first one, um, I'm just gonna play it right now while we're talking, but this okay. one came from Brampton. And so this is a this is a an attempted home invasion by with four guys with masks on. And I think we ended up getting the video from the person whose house that is. Yeah, the guy sent it to me. I had shared something else. I think it's the other one that we're going to talk about after. I had shared that video and, on Twitter or X, and he had sent me a message. And he said, hey, I just had a very similar thing happen to us on Friday. And he's like, can I show you the video? And I was like, oh, okay. And he sent me the video, and I watched it like probably three times in a row with my mouth hanging open. I couldn't believe it. And I said, oh, my God, are, like, are you all right? Do you know who these people are? I assume you've called the police. And he said, oh, yeah, we called the police. They were there within eight minutes, which is a really good response time. You know, but I couldn't help but think watching these people smash their shoulders into his door. If the frame of that door had given way and they had got in the house and it's eight minutes for law enforcement to get there with, you know, when something bad's happening, you're going to call a good guy with a gun, right? In eight minutes, what could they have done? to him, to his family, I think of my own door. And if somebody was to breach that, what's beyond that? Well, everybody I love, you know, to me, I don't know. That's my, my worst fear would be that feeling of, you know, something life changing or life ending could happen right here. You know, that, that all would happen in 90 seconds. Yeah. That's all, you know, like a regular size house, whatever, 2,500 square feet, 90 seconds. Yeah. You know, but anyway, it's um, it's just it's just amazing. And I don't know. I think it's it's hard for people to really put themselves like imagine the sound that that made, mm -hmm. you know, the door just getting pounded like that. And I'm, and it's just like it it's on like right now. So it's oh, just yeah. what a terrifying thing. And then, of course, here's some um, here's some footage of, of another video that was floating around. This was one in Mississauga, Ontario, I think about a week previous to this one. And the interesting yep. thing about this one is you got five guys and they had a handgun with them. At least one that we know of. At least one, when, yeah. When they got scared off by the owner, <coughs> they and they were running away, one of the guys pulls out his handgun and he shoots and lets a round go in the air. Probably mm -hmm. to say, don't, don't chase us or we're going to open fire on you. We're, we're armed. But it's just amazing. And, and oddly enough, it kind of dovetails into this story that was um, sent to me by, um, by our social media manager, Brandon. So the name of this story is Vigilant or Vigilante Dads. So I was wondering yeah. if you could just kind of read a little bit of this, uh, this story. Yeah, well, here's the breakdown. So this community in Langley had had a lot of break-ins and things being stolen and just crime happening in their neighborhood. And people got sick of it. And on Christmas Eve, um, a group of dads, I guess they have some sort of telegram chat or whatever, a group of local dads had got together and said, look, we're just going to go for a walk around the neighborhood and see if we see anything. And that group of dads grew to be 27 dads walking through the neighborhood. Some of them had their dogs with them. And in any event, they ended up splitting up into groups. They actually did catch somebody doing a break-in um, to a local business. And, you know, uh, there there was varied opinions in their community. There was a lot of people who spoke to the media who, you know, including the person who was the victim of the break-in, who looked at them as heroes, right? Here they are, you know, police do the best job they can do with what they've got, right? But they're usually there to pick up the pieces. It preventative is very difficult for law enforcement. You can't guess when a criminal is going to be somewhere, right? Um, so they were hailed as heroes by a large number of people in their community. And then there was some folks in the neighborhood who were complaining, who com called them vigilantes and you know, this is a matter for police and they shouldn't be out there doing this. So, you know, it's it's just interesting how, you know, as much as we're all the same, we're not, you know. Yeah, well, the the interesting thing that uh, that I like to bring up is it has taken. Um, it's taken the government and the bureaucracy and the mainstream media, the legacy media in Canada, probably 30 or 40 years of just chipping away at the intellect of Canadians to get them to the point where they think protecting themselves with or without firearms, that they think def defending themselves against something like rape, assault, or murder, or even having their things taken, 
is somehow morally wrong. Yeah. It's you're 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 at a in you're morally superior if you're raped and killed than if you, God forbid, used a firearm to protect yourself. And it's it's a just a really interesting uh, case study on. I don't want to use too inflammatory of of uh, of terms, but it's like a psychological warfare. You're 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 hammering people day in and day out to overcome or overtake their natural their natural instincts. Like I don't want to be murdered by somebody. I don't want somebody to come into my house and do terrible things to my family, and maybe kill us all. You know, so I'm going to stop them from doing that if I possibly can. And apparently, that's now you're like taught that that's bad. That you yeah, will, that's and, where and, we're at. and the reason is, and and it's real because you will feel the full weight of the state if you mm-hmm. do that. Now, anyway, it just it's 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 very interesting, and it brings up one other point I just want to make since we're on the on the subject. It's funny because like on, on social media, every once in a while we'll have somebody that's like, "Well, you guys need to be talking more about self defense," <laughs> you know, and it's and it's like I think people that make these remarks they don't lift a finger to figure out whether or not we talk about self defense or how we feel about it. Right. And then when I and when I say not not lift a finger, I mean they won't even go to our website and look around. Like on our website, we have um, our policies, and they were written all, uh, a long time ago when the organization started. And I think I looked through them. I don't know, maybe four years after. So I guess about you know five years ago, four years ago, and just made sure that they were still you know looked okay. And I made basically almost no edits. But we have a policy on self defense with firearms that that should be a right that people have. We have a policy on concealed carry. For gosh sakes, right? It's not something that we're ad- that we're actively lobbying for because we're not even going to have handguns if the, if things keep going the way that they're going. But we right. have a position on that, and I, <laughs> I, me, have to defend those policies because they get brought up all the time in Senate and House hearings. And like every time I've been there, I've had to defend those those policies, mm-hmm. and I do. Just just recently in the Senate, I did, and in mainstream media interviews, when it comes up, I have to I defend them. Because that is an appropriate, in my opinion, in the opinion of our organization, that is an appropriate use for a firearm. You know, as long as it's done in, you know, in uh, in compliance with the criminal code and and the law of Canada, basically, that your response right. is is proportional to the threat, that it's reasonable in the circumstances, all the rest of that stuff. You can't we? We're not saying you should be able to just go shoot anybody that looks threatening, but if somebody is kicking your door in and they're armed, then the law in Canada actually says that you can use whatever force is necessary to stop the threat. But just in Canada, it's complicated. But yeah, we're, this is no secret at the CCFR. It's just weird how people are like, oh, you know, talking about the real reason. It's like, yeah, I know. We even have a policy about it on our website. <laughs> Go there and look, yeah. look at it before the, you accuse us of never talking about it. <laughs> well, and we're the only national organization that puts our policy positions, which is basically, it's our stance, our position, on those topics, it doesn't mean that we're, yeah, you know, you're right, not lobbying for it right now. Like at this point, we're barely hanging on by our fingernails. Yeah. But but we put those out there and that's right from the beginning. They've always been there. Yeah. So when people say, well, you know, it's not just about this or that, they haven't done a, lifted a finger to do a bit of homework to see what we, uh, you know, what we talk about. And in fact, we even advanced a self-defense argument in the court challenge. Yes, like, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, We're the that's only just ones that people did. listening to, you know, just being lazy, right? Yeah. 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 Just just lazy and, you know, it's so easy. I, I guess you get into a pattern online online where you just want to you get frustrated, you get angry. It's just like I'm going to throw crap at everybody. I'm frustrated yeah. too. Yeah, like, like yeah, join the club. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm there too and it's it's I think that may be part of it is it's just sort of easy to lash out and you know, but that's that's not the answer. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably uh definitely the most reasonable lobby group. Um, but yeah, we're probably the most forward facing with those issues because we put them right out front. There's no denying it or pulling it back. It's out there. It's yeah. always been. Well, if you if you read our, our um our policy on um classification of firearms. You know, we even we even address full autos. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's yeah. Anyway, whatever. Um, okay. Uh, last thing: National Range Day is coming up. So um, it's what it's on June the fourth this year, I think. No, it's June first of twenty twenty four. So it's always the first Saturday 
in June each year. So this year that falls right on the first, which is great. Um, the website's kind of a little bit under construction. It's almost done. There's some resources there that you can use. There's posters and videos and information. But in the meantime, while we get those last few changes done to the website, now is a time where everybody should be um, talking to their club and range executives, talking to their members at their clubs and saying, hey, guys, what are we going to do for National Range Day on June 1st, 2024? So I, my recommendation is always like an out, open house or maybe a ladies range day or a youth range day. There's a million things you could do, but it's a great opportunity to open our doors to Canadians, let them come in, see what we do, and maybe have a better understanding of who we are, why we do it, and why it should be saved. Right. And then one more thing I will mention, like, don't forget, it's National Range Day belongs to everybody, yes. everybody in Canada. And I mean, we we created it and the website and the the logo and the copyright, the licensing and all the rest, like, yeah, fine. And we, and the commercials. <laughs> yeah, we paid for all the resources yeah. and built the whole thing, but we did that for everybody. It doesn't have a CCFR branding on it anywhere. It's not ours. It's it, for Exactly. For and so if you're another gun organization or your wildlife federation or your range or whatever, you want to make National Range Day um, merchandise and sell it, then just reach out. We'll give you a license for free. You pay us nothing. It basically yeah. will just belong to you and you can do that and raise money for your own uh, for your own causes or for your range day to, to recoup your money or whatever. That's yeah, it's all club, there whatever. for everyone else with nothing coming back to the CCFR. And the only way for us to ever have a national range day adopted by everybody was to approach it like that. So just, just mm -hmm. in case you guys don't remember exactly what we did there there, and, and why we did it. That's the reason. So there's no excuse. There's absolutely no reason to not participate in National Range Day, to promote it, to promote the logo itself, to do whatever, to sell clothing that you print yourself. There's no reason not to do that. So That's right. Yeah. It's good. Nothing so when you're done watching this video, send off an email to your range executive or send them a message on Facebook or however you reach out and yeah, say, let's get together and Start a committee and do a fun event for National Range Day, June 1st, 2024. Absolutely. Okay. We've been at it a while. Um, okay. I think we covered uh, everything that we had on our list. Yes. So um, anyway, thanks for the update and we'll see you in the next one. All right. We'll see you then. All right, that's going to do it for episode 159 of the CCFR Radio podcast. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Really appreciate it. You know, quick idea. If you want to do your own little advocacy project, on your own time. One thing that you can do is get other gun owners to watch this podcast or to watch our show on Wild TV, CCFR Radio on the air, or at very least, um, get them signed up on our newsletter. So if you go to ccfr.ca, scroll right to the bottom, there's the newsletter, sign up. We don't, we don't sell your information to anybody. We don't spam you. You get one email per week with everything that you need to know about what's going on in our community. And we need to get people involved. They don't have to be as in up to their eyeballs like we all are, but we just need to be able to reach them when we need them to cooperate with one of our um, one of our projects, to be a bigger voting block, any of those things, those are all very important things. And to do that, we need to have contact with people and we have to have people thinking about it, at least at some level, right? So anyway, if you can do a little bit of work for that, that would be just fantastic. Um, two things I need to go over with you before I let you go. First thing is, Field Officer of the Month, um, Tracy and I just recorded the TV show. We talked about Field Officer of the Month, so I'm just going to play the clip so I don't have to talk about it, okay? Check it out. All right, last but not least, Field Officer of the Month. This month is our great friend, Scotty Ryder. I'm telling you, this guy is probably the happiest person I've ever met. This guy is always smiling. He's always upbeat. Scotty Ryder does more shows, I think, than anybody, single-handedly. There's a lot of great big sportsman shows and the huge gun shows where you get big teams of field officers together. But what's really unique about Scotty Ryder is there's no show that's too small for this guy. He'll go and slug it out all day long doing these uh, like, you know, small neighborhood gun shows. And it's just awesome. He's a great friend to the CCFR, a huge help to me personally. And I just love him. He's just the, the nicest, happiest guy around. Yep, Scotty's a machine. And uh, if uh, if you're not sure, what you get for Field Officer of the Month is a year's subscription to Canadian Access to Firearms, CATF, graciously 
donated every month to us from our uh, our good friend Donovan Dewis over at CTA, CT, CATF. So thanks, Donovan, <laughs> for that. And you also get a $100 uh, gift card or uh, promo code, as it were, for the CCFR online store. So again, thanks so much for all of your work, Scotty. We really, really appreciate it. And the last thing is, again, the best day ever contest. Hey, what could be better than that, right? Flying across the country, all expenses paid, stay in a nice hotel, shoot guns with Rod and Tracy if that's what you're into. If you want to do it by yourself, that's no problem. Just let me know that. That's okay with me too. <laughs> and get $10,000 worth of stuff shipped to your home, right? And we're paying the taxes too, by the way. And the rules, it says that we're not, but we are. So it doesn't cost you anything, probably just to get to the airport and, and get home from the airport, roughly. So really, uh, really important. Read all the contest de details and rules before you enter. So if you want to donate to the CCFR, now's a great time to do that. Just go to ccfr.ca. You can enter the contest. $25 gets you one free entry into the contest. $100 donation gets you five free entries. Get into it as quickly as, as possible. If you want to become a member of the CCFR, you can do that too. If you want to become a member of the Insiders Club, the Insiders Group, you can do that as well. So if you uh, donate $20, a recurring donation of $20 or more per month, you're in the Insiders Group. And basically you get to uh, get into a uh, hour to two hour long, usually about an hour and a half. It seems like that's how long these meetings are. A web meeting with me and Tracy and the other insiders. You can give us feedback. You can tell us your ideas. You can talk to other members. It's pretty cool. So that's uh, the insiders group. So no, you don't have to take any other action other than do a recurring donation of $20 or more to the CCFR at ccfr.ca. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone, for your support. Lots of news will uh, be coming up in the next podcast. Thanks for watching. Take care. We'll see you next time. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.